0: Quick content disclaimer, this episode contains graphic descriptions of war scenarios while discussing PTSD that may be triggering or unsettling for some of our listeners. If you are uncomfortable with this type of content, we look forward to having you join us next week. Hey everyone, welcome to Recovering You. This is a podcast that will take you through a step-by-step guide of what you can expect when you enter into a world of recovery from addictive and compulsive behaviors. You are here to learn how to change, and we are here to give you the tools to get there. Bienvenidos, and welcome to another episode of Recovering You. I'm your host, Cameron Harrison, and I am actually joined by a very special guest today, a good friend of mine, and someone whose story I don't know if we're really ready for. So I, 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 I'll introduce him here in just a second. But I want to point out one thing. Typically, when I do these recordings, we wing it, we just completely go off the cuff and we go by by experience. This guy shows up to my house with a full page of paper prepped and ready to go, just itching to tell his story. And I couldn't be more thrilled. My man, John is, uh, is joining me today. And I'm gonna let him introduce himself real quick and say hello. Say hello, John. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Glad that I could make it onto the show tonight. All right, that's enough of that. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, John, John and I are very good friends and he's told me just a little bit about his story. And it is just, I mean, if you thought my story was good, uh, you are all in for a really good treat. Um, so I'm actually going to let you, I'm, I'm going to turn the time over to you here um, for just a second, John, and have you just kind of get into what your background is, because I know you listen to the podcast. I know you're familiar with the content that we talk about, and I, I know I know you're a pretty big fan. Um, what I didn't know was just how relevant all this material was to you, and I just, I absolutely love that. So go ahead and uh, just tell us a little bit of your background story.
1: So background. Um, Uh, like many of you, uh, in the past, I've had problems with pornography, but really Cameron kind of reached out to me with this. Um, and we had been talking about PTSD and how that affects, affects things. Um, it's actually very similar to pornography addiction. When you're battling a mental illness such as PTSD, you kind of feel trapped. And it's easy to hold everything in, not tell anybody about it. Just hold everything until that moment when everything just falls in on you and you either implode or explode and it doesn't turn into the best situation. So for me, when I talk about my PTSD, it actually is... It's relieving for me to do it. I, I I feel comforted in talking about it because honestly, there's not a lot of people out there who like to talk about their PTSD. There's not a lot of people who talk about mental illness enough, and it, they look at the stigma and and are afraid to share anything about it.
0: You mentioned PTSD. Where where does that originate from? Before we get into the uh, the the addictions and stuff that you dealt with where did uh, where the PTSD kind of come from? If you don't mind me asking?
1: No, I don't mind at all. So I served in the army from 2002 to 2015. I started off as a private in the army and I was a linguist and a Persian Farsi interrogator. Um, so that had its
0: Wait, so, so how, how many languages do you speak? Just, just I just got to interject this because this I is awesome.
1: <laughs> I speak Eight languages if you count English. I speak Eight. Ilongo, Cebuano, <laughs> Karaya, Kapishton, Aklanon,
0: Persian Farsi, and English sometimes. I can't even say most of those languages, so dude, I am wow. And this is what I'm talking about, guys. This is why I'm so excited because like this is this is a a well-traveled, well-educated, and just well-looking man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I learned six dialects of Filipino while I was on my mission in the Philippines. When I came home, uh, 9-11 happened, and I decided I needed to go and do something about it, and I joined the military. I actually wanted to be a special forces medic, and that didn't pan out. My recruiter had something else in store for me, and so he said, we're going to send you to the best-kept secret in the military, we'll send you to the... Defense Language Institute, you can learn another language and we're going to make you an interrogator. I was like, okay, I guess. He's like, but if you learn a language, we can get you that 18 Delta route later on. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) So I get through training, get through all of that, come back home and uh, go back to college. And when I started back to college, I got a full ride ride nursing scholarship at Westminster College up in Utah uh, through the ROTC department and because it was a full ride scholarship it was an active duty commitment afterwards and I served at Walter Reed Medical Center uh, in Washington DC afterwards well in 2008 um, one of the guys I was working with got sick And he was up for deployment, but because he got sick, I ended up taking his slot. So in October of 2008, I made my way to Fort Carson, Colorado and prepared for deployment with tense cash to Baghdad. Uh, We arrived to to Baghdad on December 20, I want to say 22nd. Of 2008, and on the 24th, we were hit with a mass casualty situation where we had 24 personnel come in. Um, Half of them were dead. So my PTSD starts here. Um, I'm just going to warn. Put it out there, warning you guys, if it gets too much in detail for you, you can absolutely just kind of fast forward. But um, I'm just going to be as raw as I can. Of those 24 personnel, it was 12 or 13 had passed away. Um, One of the guys that we took into the ER, he was blown up pretty bad, as we were moving him over from the stretcher, that he was on to a hospital bed. I ended up, I ended up pulling off his leg from the hip. So when you think about the movies and how graphic those are, this is 10 times worse because you're the act, you're the one actually pulling that off. Um, so that was my introduction to Baghdad. Oh, geez. so remember baghdad was the green zone to us it just meant green for rockets because we were getting rocketed every so often we'd see the helicopters come in they'd be getting shot at we'd see tracers coming in we we're like oh okay uh the sirens would go off during the first couple of months we would absolutely go run to the bunkers and then afterwards we're like this is the dumbest thing to do because if that shell hits the bunker we're probably dead underneath it. So we just quit running to the bunkers. Um, At first I was put on to the, uh, the American side of the hospital where um, I was taking care of everybody who was kind of beat up in battle, whether it was uh, some PTSD related stuff, mental health issues or um, gunshot wounds, getting them ready to move out from, baghdad to uh germany and stabilizing them getting him there um there were some things that that happened on that side of it as well i i was accused of stealing some money which absolutely would never happen because i didn't need it Um, but because i was accused of it they went ahead and uh they took my weapon So I didn't have a weapon. I was put under, under lock and key. I was talked to by the MPs interrogated for about 12 hours regarding stealing this said money from a patient, which never happened. Um, But then they told me that I had to take a polygraph test. So I go and take the polygraph test at a camp 30 miles away, no weapon. So I'm escorted by these guys, no weapon. I go and take the polygraph test. The two MPs disappear and I have to find my way back to the Baghdad ER 30 miles away. So I had to bum a ride from other troops that were heading that way with them asking why I don't have a weapon, why I'm in a war zone with nothing
0: going, what the hell is going on? I'm sure this is a scenario most of our listeners can relate to. It's. <laughs> Totally, (laughs) totally. This is a totally normal situation. Totally normal situation. Not nine to fiver, you know. Not a big. (laughs) So after that whole
1: situation, they decide, oh, we're just going to move you over to the other side of the building. We're going to put you in the burn unit with the kids because we were taking care of kids that Uh, Iraqi kids who out on the soccer field saw something shiny and kicked it, and of course, it was a nice little mortar, and oh my gosh we lost some legs and and had burns over them. so for the next eight months I was uh over on that side uh dealing with burn burn kids this is really where my PTSD lies um because we'd have to take them into the burn showers burn showers we'd have to turn the heat up to 135 degrees. Cause it was already 110 outside. And if we didn't have it up high enough, they'd get cold and we'd have other issues. But literally when I say burn showers, we were scrubbing people down, skin coming off, screams, blood curdling screams, even though they were completely sedated with the medications that we had. Um, so they were kind of dissociative out of it. Ketamine and hydrate are awesome drugs, completely dissociate you from it. But the screams I still hear in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, every now and again, I'll wake up, I'll hear screams. And now I know it's not my own kids. I have six kids and I know it's not them, but I know that that's what it is. And then I have to try and go back to sleep and get ready for the day because I still got to go to work. Um, also during this fun time, you know, being deployed, spouses get a little frisky sometimes in the military and got cheated on. So I had a lot of things happen within an eight month period of time that have continued to haunt me 13 years later. It's hard sometimes to tell people, this is why, this is who I am. This is how, this is a part of me. And then them not really completely understand how that can play into somebody's mind. This to me is completely real. It's not a movie. It's my everyday life. Um, and I had to go through counseling. I had to, I've had to stay on medications, which is completely fine. Um, mental illness, mental problems—it's it should be normalized, just like with blood pressure. We take medications for blood pressure. We take blood medications for cholesterol. Well, if you've got stuff that's going on in your head, you should be able to take a medication for that and not be judged for it.
0: Yeah, there's no shame in
1: that at all. So, um, he was kind of Cameron kind
0: of talked to me and was asking, "Well, how the heck do you deal with this?" Um, yeah, cause I was actually just about to ask you, so how, how does this affect your everyday life now and how, how do you deal with that? Because what, what I really want to get into, and the, I mean, first of all, wow, I mean, I I've, as long as I've known you for the past, what's it been two and a half years that we've known each other now, um, you know, from that first Christmas party that we both showed up with amazing suits on. Uh, mine covered in Santa Claus and candy canes and yours that lit up and... I had a light up Christmas tree. Yeah. yeah. And the next year I had a light up present. <laughs> suit. You're my light up present <laughs> suit. Um, <laughs> but um, in, in all that time, actually, we've we've never sat down and actually had this discussion. So I'm sitting here kind of in awe, which I'm sure a lot of people are just kind of like, dude, how just how that's probably that's the only word that's really come to my mind is is how and when i say how it's how do you function how does this manifest in your everyday life um how are you able to deal with this from from your day to day and we aren't even getting into the addiction stuff yet this is just the the ptsd and the triggers and that's the word i wanted to focus on yeah. was um because A lot of people deal with PTSD, you know, and it's not always military related. There's, I mean, there's PTSD, there's traumas, there's betrayal. There's, I mean, my wife had PTSD for a long time because of my betrayal against her. And so I, that's why I want to focus on these triggers and how to deal with them because they don't just apply to crazy, tragic situations like what you dealt with.
1: Correct. No, we all get triggered, whether it's with pornography addiction, whether it's with like your wife you're dealing with your stuff so of course she's gonna have ptsd because she's felt betrayed she's gotta worry okay when's the next blow up gonna happen when is the next time he's gonna to come to me and say hey i screwed up oh geez you man. know and so like how i prepare for things so a week ago we were in disneyland with six kids So the first day we were there, everything's going great. It's 8.50 at night. Thinking nothing of it. All of a sudden, there's fireworks going off, And I absolutely ducked. When I say ducked, I jumped behind a bush at Disneyland thinking we were getting bombed. I was like, what the heck? We're in the happiest place on earth. And we just got bombed. And my wife's like, what are you? She's like, oh, never mind. So, of course, with my wife there and knowing everything that kind of triggers me, fireworks are a huge one that still trigger me because of stuff that went on. For some reason, big lights in the sky that are <laughs> supposed to be happy, <laughs> those things really trigger me. Some so, weird reason. <laughs> some weird reason. I don't know. Stupid little bombs going off. But she knows that if she gives me a hug, lets me know that I'm in a safe place and we just kind of move to the next place to where I can see where these artillery shells are coming from, then I'm good. I know what to expect, but when you get hit with something unexpected, just like getting triggered with pornography, something pops up in Facebook, something pops up over Instagram, something you're passing on the freeway. It, it happens to us day in, day out. How do we, how do we overcome those triggers? So, um i mentally have to prepare for things all the time um if i know there's going to be a loud noise or if i know there's going to be fireworks i got to know exactly where they're coming from what time they're going to be going off what's my escape route who am i going to be with how long is it going to go off for and can i have earmuffs
0: (laughs) (laughs) the the fluffy ones the the fluffy ones the pink ones. ones yes um, make you look like a pretty Princess Leia. Yeah, there you go. Okay. you know, I was in Disneyland.
1: They did have Princess Leia ears. I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, go find them. I on the ear.
0: What what yeah. I what I love it that, that you mentioned there, you've basically defined um, doing border patrol and flagpoles right there, which is going around your area of safety that you know is safe, and pretty much identifying where all the weak points are in that that border and saying, Okay, this is where I need to put up my defenses. This is what I need to be prepared for. If you know that when you drive on a certain route, you're going to come past a billboard that is going to have inappropriate material on it. You can prepare for that. You can make sure that you look the other way or you know that you are listening to your favorite song that really gets you jazzed up and feeling powerful. That that is a way to prepare. Now yours is obviously a lot more intense to deal with. But it's the same kind of concept of just knowing where your safety boundaries are, knowing where the gaps could be coming in and then placing guards or reinforcements at those weaker points in order to not be triggered by this stuff. So I, I love that you brought that up. I wouldn't
1: say that it's not more intense. I mean, honestly, when you get all jazzed up over that nice little billboard, you're getting that chemical spill. It's true. Yeah. With PTSD, you still get that chemical spill. It's just a little bit different. You still get it, though. You just get fear instead of excited.
0: Love that. Right? Because um, chemicals don't identify between know what the situation is. Chemicals are chemicals. Yeah. Right. Like, like we've talked about in previous episodes, you get you get a dopamine spill from having a newborn child or getting a promotion at work or um, finding out that you're, you've lost your job or that your spouse has had an affair on you. Or, I mean, your brain doesn't differentiate. All it does is dump those chemicals and Correct. put you into a tailspin of emotions.
1: Dopamine, epinephrine, serotonin. I mean, we could go on and get into the chemical biological warfare that's going on each day with us. But that we love that stuff. But It's but awesome. Yeah, but yeah. So the other thing that I've got to do, i got to make sure that I get enough sleep. If I don't get enough sleep, I know that something is going to trigger me so i have a routine every night i have to be in bed by 10 o'clock otherwise i know that i'm not gonna get enough sleep and then something bad's gonna happen the next day for some reason i have to have that routine otherwise it's
0: it's over for me and that makes so much sense because you texted me tonight and said as long as i'm home in bed by 10 i thought you just had to work early in the morning i didn't realize you you're like no this is my strict stringent i stick to it routine Okay. No, this, unless this unless three, we, we are playing games at my house right. or games, at, uh, 10 o'clock. Okay. And
1: Lorelei knows 10 o'clock, I've got to start going to bed. Otherwise, I'm a grouch and all that good fun stuff.
0: And that opens up the doors for right. problems. Right. Got it. I have to
1: cut down stress. If I get really stressed, it's it's over and I'm going to be triggered and it's going to be a terrible day, week, long time.
0: So short little tangent, what do you do to cut down on stress? So
1: cutting down on stress. um, If I am really angry because PTSD, I'll get, I mean, for some reason, I'll just get really angry real quick. I have to listen to angry music, angry music. I
0: just calm down with. Interesting. So you fight anger with anger. I fight anger with anger. I get that nice. Okay. I, I don't know why, but it works for me. You know, so we, we actually just talked about warrior chemistry. Did you listen to those? episodes? I haven't gotten to that one yet Oh, okay. for some reason. Okay. But so it sounds like you use warrior chemistry to fight anger. I totally do. Yeah. I it. guess we it's do. Awesome. So
1: I mean, I turn on my Pantera or tool or just some crazy music that my wife doesn't like me to listen to. And I just get rid of it because I don't know if it just puts that extra chemical spill in there and I just wear out from it, but Hey, awesome. Um, Let's see, what else do I do? I got to exercise a little bit. Um, Granted with the hours that I've been working lately, that doesn't happen as much as possible. Um, I'm lucky if I get (laughs) two or three days a week that I go and exercise, but, um, chilling with my family. That's another thing that I've, I've got to do, um, just to cut down stress, watching movies, playing board games, just thinking about other things, and getting away from
0: disconnecting from there you go. The, yeah, the, the triggering situations, disconnecting from the stress disconnecting from the overwhelming work schedule and everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we gotta disconnect. And and what I do want to point out here is that doesn't mean you numb out. No. It, it it doesn't mean that you basically turn off all feelings. What you're doing is putting a focus on something that relaxes you, putting a focus on something that brings you joy and gives you that that dopamine drip in a positive way. Cause it's all about that association to Because like, like we said, the chemicals are going to come no matter what, but you can associate chemicals to joy and you can associate chemicals to triggers and negative things. So what it sounds like you're doing is associating a chemical drip to something that brings you peace and a calm, almost meditative state, not a numb state.
1: Correct. I mean, if you if you numb yourself out, it's just going to come back at you full force. Absolutely. You cannot, there's no way to run away from it. Just like addictions, there's no running away from PTSD. It's there with you, it's part of your life. And you've either got to accept it and go with it and learn how to defeat it, just like addiction. You've got to accept it, know, hey, I have this problem, I have to defeat it. And it's up up to you to figure out how you're going to do it. And if it takes counseling, if it takes medications, if it takes just reaching out to friends in the middle of the night, that's what you do.
0: So I was, uh, I was, I was actually on a run earlier this week, and um, I, I've stated before in the podcast that I do meditation runs. This one was really cool though, and it focused all on the importance of understanding that right now is all you've got to work with, and that basically living for that moment is how you produce a a positive outcome for tomorrow with John, with myself, with, uh, with my wife, with all of you out there that are listening that have something that you're dealing with, something that triggers you. I, I don't know about you guys, but I frequently look back in the past and think, what if I had done this differently? What if I had made this different choice? What if I had gone down this different road? And what I've realized as I do that is all that does is send me in a tailspin of, what ifs, and then I miss out on the what is. And yeah, You have to get no, rid of those shouldas. <laughs>
1: you can't, you, there's no more shouldas. There's no what ifs, there's no shouldas. Right. right. I mean, you keep saying that shoulda word. I'm shooting all over myself. You're all I'm, over yourself. I'm
0: sorry. And, and I'm the one that even talked about that on this podcast. So, but, but what I'm, what I am pointing out is, um, that mentality of what I could have, should have, would have done, that is something that will make it so you cannot move forward it will make it so you cannot heal it's like it's like picking at the scab you're just going to make it bleed over and over and over again and that's what that shoulda coulda woulda
1: absolutely does you can't you can't keep picking at the scab right so
0: so live in the now and if in this very moment right now you can think to yourself I'm going to turn and face the direction i'm not saying you have to take leaps and bounds or take off sprinting in the in the correct direction but if you will just simply think of one thing in your life that you could benefit from doing live in the now and adjust that way of thinking then you are already winning in this moment and in this moment is all that really matters
1: correct i mean if you're not living right now you're gonna, you're gonna lose out on something.
0: I don't know if that's relevant to what we were talking about, but it it just, it came to my mind that I I wanted to talk about it. So
1: it kind of, well, I'm glad that you said live in the now. So another big issue with those who have PTSD, those who suffer from addictions, um, sometimes those crazy sideways things sideways, meaning suicide thoughts Uh, come into your head. Yeah, Yeah. Just know that you're loved. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're loved and you're needed and you have to live in the now. If you ever have problems, there's the National Suicide Hotline that you can always call. It's 1-800-273-8255 and they're always available 24-7. I've had friends who have had to call it. I personally have had to call it once um, just because I was dealing with something that it was killing me at the time. And it was in that dark place, but you can overcome these things. you got to learn to live in the now.
0: And I I just also want to point out the importance of what you said there of you are needed. And that's one of the things that addiction does to us is it makes us feel like we no longer have value. We no longer have worth, that we have nothing to offer to this world. And that's what Satan wants us to believe. That's what that's what our enemy wants us to completely commit to that way of thinking of i really don't matter i'm really not loved and it's really okay if i if i leave and if you ask anyone that you know that cares about you and probably 99.9% of strangers they're going to say you absolutely matter you absolutely are worthy of love and you absolutely can overcome this absolutely okay so now let's transition over to how your addiction came to be because we we've talked about your ptsd we've talked about how you prepare for triggers um but but i mean you said that you've dealt with the same kind of addiction to pornography that it was a plague in your life as well i mean was that before you joined the military did that happen because of ptsd that was before the military i was on the wrestling team in high school i can
1: remember the first pornographic image that was shared to me and that was back before that was back when aol was doing doo,
0: doo, 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 doo.
1: john's really old by I'm the way he's, old.
0: he's super old
1: <laughs> so old <laughs> but no i i mean i can still remember that and it it's ingrained in your brain i mean there it sucks to to think that yeah that's still there but it's it's there and then you know through through the military of course um those things just continue to pop up every which way everybody shares their hard drives. Everybody shares what they have. And so, you know, that it came and came across throughout my military career. Um, but I finally got it under control back in 2010. Um, when I got my kids back after I got divorced, I didn't have custody of my kids and, um, a little bit after that, they came to live with me and they've been living with me ever since. And so I think at that point in time, I was like, you know what? It enough's enough. I got to get this under control. Um, took a loving bishop and some good uh, home teachers to, to come over and just just sit with me. And any time that I had a problem, I had people to reach out to. Um, I was back in D.C. I was my brother lived there. And I'd reach out to him every so often. If I had thoughts starting to come, I wouldn't tell him why I was calling him. I would just tell him I needed to talk. There were a few people that knew everything that was going on and through counseling, through, through the atonement, through all of that, um, finally overcame it. Are there still thoughts of it every now and again? Of course. Anybody who's battling an addiction, anytime, those thoughts can creep back into your head. Does it? I mean, once you're an addict, you're always an addict and you've got to be on top of your game at all times and be wary of, of what can happen. I think that's why I get mad at my kids sometimes for the stuff that they're looking at or videos that they make. They they're innocent, but I'm like, Oh dude, some I've got daughters, This is a slippery slope. I got, I've got daughters and I'm like, this is a slippery slope. Some old guy out there is probably looking at you guys. I'm like, and i don't ever want to think that but i hate to say it some old guy out there is probably trying to look for stupid stuff and so i don't know you you've just always got to be cognizant of what's around you what's going on and i think that's why when i got help with my ptsd it just really helped get me on track to get rid of that addiction as well
0: i love that And, and i i love that i mean basically the from what i understand from what you're saying the biggest thing that you had going for you is that you built yourself a team you built yourself this this team of people that you knew you could count on that you wouldn't be judged by that they weren't gonna make the situation worse but and sometimes it was just someone to talk to and other times it was someone to wrap their arms around you you have found yourself this amazing team of people that you can trust and I think that's that's one of the biggest keywords right there is, uh, I guess, two words, safety and trust, safety and trust. Absolutely.
1: And I, I mean, there's guys I, there's guys that I are still on my team. Some of them still do all that stuff, but they know that if I call them, they know that they're like, OK, look, you can't be doing any of this. You're one of those good guys. And I already look up to you. So if you do that, then I feel even worse about myself. <laughs> So they're I mean, even at work right now, they're like, you know, so I'm I'm LDS, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. I, I'm one of two people in my whole group here that are that. So I mean, they hold me to a higher standard anyways, which helps me to just kind of stay on that path. I'm not trying to say that you have to be a member to, to be that way, but um,
0: Oh but, having, but
1: I mean but having hold- that background and that rock helps me to keep grounded.
0: And and I love that you said holding yourself to a higher standard and holding other people to a higher standard because that's really what makes our atmosphere a safer place. It isn't just that you hold yourself to a higher standard. It's that when other people are around you, that if they're using unsavory language, if they're referencing things that really are not reverent things that that are triggering for you, If they're, I mean, for you, if, if somebody turned on maybe a a war film that would be very triggering for you, you would ask them to turn it off, or you would have to remove yourself from the situation. You're really creating this atmosphere of safety for yourself, regardless of what your trigger is, regardless of what the issue is, you have to decide, okay, this is the kind of situation I'm willing to be in. And this is what I expect of the people around me. Because if they love me, they will respect those boundaries. They will respect what I need in order to feel safe. Correct.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have parties at our house and we invite everybody
0: from all walks of life. They're legendary guys. (laughs) It's like 150 people to show up to these things and it's phenomenal. But it's funny because like all
1: the guys who drink alcohol, they're like, oh, we don't need to have that at your house or if they they bring it they're like okay i gotta hide this in the corner so that nobody else sees that i'm drinking and it's it's kind of funny because i just am <laughs> like i already know that's part of your life if you, if that's what you think you need to have to have a good time go by all means go ahead yeah. but the rest of us over here we're gonna be having just as good a time without the alcohol and then we're gonna make fun of you
0: yeah <laughs>
1: So you're welcome to
0: do what you want. <laughs> Make your own choices. You can do what you want, but if you end
1: up making doing something stupid, we're going to be there to help laugh at you. And that's fine, it's fine, and
0: they're okay with it.
1: <laughs> and if you need to edit that out, that's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah that's yeah. we're we're definitely we're spiraling off topic here. Um, but that, all right, back on topic here. So j- just to kind of uh, summarize a little bit, so we we've been talking just about. Um, Trigger preparation and how to fortify your borders, how to make sure you have your flag put what's okay. What I love about this episode of what's been going on is the majority of what we talked about wasn't even an addiction to pornography or sex or drugs or alcohol. It it wasn't your typical thing. And yet the way that you have dealt with this, the way that you currently still do deal with this is parallel completely in line with the principles of addiction recovery. And I love the fact that they just go hand in hand, that you've been through this severe trauma and the way you deal with it is all these principles that we've been talking about. And that's why I'm constantly urging people to share this because it's like, look, even though the topic is pornography and sex addiction, the underlying message is trauma. Correct. Is is uh, compromising your own values if someone has values and they're doing something that they don't like doing this is for them if someone has been through a messy divorce but whatever it might be i'm going to get caught up on trying to like list a bunch of things but whatever it might be you just need to understand that these tools that we go through and these stories that we tell are for the sole purpose of helping the individual overcome adversity and trauma in their life absolutely and
1: When I first started listening to the podcast, I was like, okay, it's going to be another sex addiction podcast, and I'm going to have to listen, and I'm not going to really learn anything, but honestly, it's been just like he said. It parallels everything. Trauma, you get hurt. When you look at porn, you get hurt. When you drink alcohol or you abuse alcohol or drugs, you get hurt. And it's all trauma related. And all of these principles play into that exact thing. Whatever it is, it's how to get out of it, how to protect yourself, how to build those borders, how to build those boundaries and fortify your unit.
0: I know you probably hate this, but you really are a hero. You know, there are those who live a life that must be risen up to Um, A life that most people can't dream of having to live at all. A life that leaves chaos in its wake on those who waded through it. These are the kind of people we typically refer to as heroes or are being like hardcore. What we in society who are not close to these people don't see is the trauma and damage behind their eyes the nightmare that plays on repeat and haunts the very reality that they live in. And when their heroic days, and I I put that in quotation marks, heroic days, here's my air quotes, are when those days are done, um, we as the observers move on while those heroes stay behind and live in that hell that has been left for them to get out of. It's here that we must acknowledge the next great chapter of heroism in these individuals. The fight out of PTSD, addiction, betrayal, trauma, depression, anxiety, all these other fights. But because this internal battle is the kind of spiritual epic battle that could never be captured on film or understood by anyone other than the specific individual who's gone through it themselves, this is your story, is one such story that deserves our time and understanding. And I truly marvel that I was able to capture a fraction of the fight that you, my friend, John, had to and still has to go through in this day-to-day life that you're living. So I know you guys, I mean, I have the honor to sit here actually in the room with John and have been able to experience the amazing spirit of those moments when John did get a little bit emotional and it it's caused me to get a little bit emotional. And I, I love the fact that, We can sit down and talk to each other and have these amazing connecting conversations and really feel a deeper understanding and love for the other individual that it's not something we walk away from and feel this vulnerability hangover and allow shame to creep in and say i wish i wouldn't have talked about that but that now those who have listened to this and as we walk away from this we are better for it we are stronger for it and we have learned from it and your story and this is what I love about doing this podcast. Your story now gets to touch the heart of even if it's just one other person. And if you are that person out there who has listened, please feel free to reach out. You you have the email. We, we've mentioned it many times. It's uh, recover you 2 that's the number two, at gmail.com. And if you want to share anything with John, if you want to share your own story on this podcast, that is something that we can set up. But really, we, we can't limit ourselves to just one story. There are thousands of stories out there of trauma and overcoming um, these amazing obstacles. My, my oldest brother has me hooked on this podcast the way I heard it by Mike Rowe. Yeah. And these are short stories of people who have overcome insurmountable and amazing things to make their impact on the world. And... Although yours may not have been a five to eight minute episode. (laughs) Your story is one that deserves to be recognized as something that has had an impact, and will have a lasting effect on the world. And I love you for what you've shown.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's not every day I get to share my complete well, I mean, I didn't even share the complete story because limited. And we already took up 45 minutes of your
0: time. Stay tuned for the rated R version. The rated R version (laughs) is much better. Yeah, just really do appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to putting this out there and uh, talking to you guys next week. Thanks for joining.